and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about thegamecrafter.com. No, this isn't a sponsored episode, although it probably could be. But the Game Crafter is a pretty cool resource for budding game designers and gamers that just want to bling out the current games a bit. We'll get into all of that in just a moment. But first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC. And a thank you and a sorry to Christopher Letko and John Lewis, who have been patrons for four months, and I accidentally missed them. And... Oh my gosh. I'm a terrible... I'm a terrible human being. We just have to say their name four times in a row now. (laughs) (laughs) Spontaneously throughout, I'm just going to put it in the notes, and then we just have to say, and that is a thank you to Christopher Letko. And, oh, don't forget about John Lewis. No, seriously, I apologize. I think that both of these came in around the same time, and four months ago was around the birth of my child, so I'm going to use that as an excuse. Sure. That's, That's the only thing I have. It, it may be true. It might not be. I don't know. I have no idea. But thank you to Christopher and John. And thank you to everyone else as well. All right. Game of Thrones is over. We're now recording on Sunday. Um, Kitty, how, 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 was, how was Player 3? Oh, he's great. He figured out how to escape his crib. So we're recording a little bit later than usual because I have been dealing with that this evening. You, you just sent us a video of him basically screaming and then just deciding he didn't want to be in the crib, putting his leg up, jumping out, falling on the floor, then running around the room. Yep. You are a saint for being here right now. I mean, he went feet first, so <laughs> landed pretty gracefully, oh, no. all things considered. No, he just... It was not a fall. It was yeah. an escape. It was a drop, yeah. There might as well have been, like, knotted bed sheets and, <laughs> you know, dummies made out of earwax or whatever. I'm thinking that there's a game in this someplace. <laughs> The Great Toddler Escape. Uh, parents it's wouldn't happened. buy it because it's too real. <laughs> That's true. And then people who weren't parents wouldn't get it. Yeah. Like I say, I'm laughing at you right now because it's not happening to me yet. But I can't I'm wait still to laugh at you. I know. I'm just, I'm happy he's able to like, Zach's able to push his arms up and put his head up 90 degrees. I'm like, yay, milestone achieved. And I'm not really looking forward to anything past that. <laughs> Yeah, because then they become like, oh, you can't just like set down the baby and walk away from the baby and they'll still be in the same place. Nope. 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 Not a thing. Yeah. As it is, he if he's on his front, he'll roll to his back immediately. If he's on his back, he tends not to roll, but I still can't trust him any place. So I'm like, I can't be more than like one second away because that's about the time you have before they decide they want to jump off the bed and commit suicide before you can catch them. They're fast so. and wily. I haven't had to... Yeah, haven't had to do that yet. All right, let's talk about something that's not kid-related. I'll try. I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so why are we talking about the Game Crafter? And why don't I... Well, actually, we did an interview with J.T. Smith, who is the creator of the Game Crafter. It was one of our most downloaded episodes ever. This was quite a while back. I want to say about two years back. And the Game Crafter has changed a ton since that. And people ask me all the time, like, I'll have different components and stuff that are not part of the game I have. It's like, oh, where did you get those? I'm like, well, the Game Crafter, of course. Why Everyone should know about this. So that is actually why we're talking about the Game Crafter. Not to promote them or anything like that. It's just a really cool resource for gamers, and especially for game designers, but gamers as well. So, Kitty, you've toyed around with them a little bit, right? Just scratched the surface. (laughs) And Fletcher, until about 20 minutes ago, you didn't know they existed. 
Uh, yeah, pretty Is much. That accurate. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So to avoid me doing all of the talking, because you know how much I hate doing that, we're <laughs> all gonna bring. Don't even. <laughs> We're all going to bring up the GabeCrafter.com on our computers. And we're just going to go down to all the different things that are on here. And I'm going to start you with the stuff can that along. is... <laughs> yes, you could. Now, I will be honest. A lot of this stuff I've never used and haven't really clicked into. And I listen to um, the GameCrafter official podcast. And it usually comes out weekly-esque. And there's always new stuff happening. Always new things that are being, like announced and released and i just kind of go in for the same things every time although i will say for my father-in-law's birthday a few weeks ago there was a movie he watched called quintet and this was he like when he was dating my mother-in-law that was like the very first movie they went to terrible movie you can get it on netflix though but still terrible movie but there was a game in there that he like was like in the premise of the movie called quintet so i looked up the rules for this game and then I made a copy of it on the Game Crafter because it, it's not something that exists in real life. And he's like, one of the things when I first met him, he's like, he was talking, he knew I was into games. And he's like, one of the first things he said is like, oh, yeah, there's this game in this movie. It's called Quintet. And it's like a live and die type of thing. That's not his voice at all. But- I was going to say, this is a really <laughs> a gruff version of your father-in-law. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a little bit more... Um, he is your stereotypical 65, 70-year-old man, gray beard, skinny, very disgruntled about the world, but a super nice guy. Very nerdy. <laughs> but had- who you imagine the kind of person who hangs out a lot of science fiction conventions would look like. Yes, who yeah, who met his wife at science fiction conventions, yeah. who his daughter has never who like grew up in science fiction conventions. So he mentioned this game that he like really wanted to play. And I just kind of filed it away. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, one of these days, maybe I'll use it as as a as a gift. And I finally did it this year. I think it was like three years later. And I went to the Game Crafter, created this game, had it printed out. Like, I don't have a lot of artistic ability, so I just it was like a black um board or black background with just like yellow text. But it had his name on it, and I made a rule book and all of that. And it's a very simple game. But he's we've played it probably. 10 times since that it's not a good game it's a roll and move <laughs> with elimination but back in the 70s apparently that's that sort of worked and that's how they post a pocket that, that was the height of game playing <laughs> exactly it it is it's it's ridiculous it's literally a roll and move you have two pieces and you and you move left or right and you roll two dice and one piece can move the total of the two dice, or you can move each piece the total of, well, the value of one of those dice. And there's pieces that you're targeting and pieces you're being targeted by. And you want to land on the pieces you're targeting without getting hit by the pieces you're targeting by. You have no control, though, because it's all just random roll and move. But it is actually kind of fun. It plays fast. But I did that on the Game Crafter. And that's one of the things you can do. Because without this, I wouldn't... I mean, it would have been construction paper and, like, Monopoly dice. So that is just one little thing you can do with the game crafter um all right i'm gonna pause for a moment kitty what have you done with this (laughs) so like we talked about last week i have dabbled in designing my own game and i've been looking at kind of ideas and components that i could use in this game and you know you had mentioned before the game crafter so i've used it to look up you know a lot of people will look at how many cards are printed 
because they are printed in sheets. So you want to yep. make sure that the card number that you have in your deck is going to be a multiple of a sheet. So I looked up how many cards they, you know, come in their standard deck sizes and that kind of thing. And I looked up board sizes. So when I'm drawing my own pictures, I know I could have a board printed in a certain size. And it was just a really good resource for a jumping off point to how do I create game components that I'm not going to have to change later that are available for purchase for design. This is, and that I could create a prototype of these things immediately. Yeah. And the game crafter, they don't have, you can't call and say, Hey, I need a custom board Yeah, because they don't do that. They have, this is what Standard we have sizes. Yep. Which is actually kind of nice. And it's why they can offer this service at all. Like one-off printing of games is absurdly expensive and they managed to do it relatively cheap. I mean, it's, well, because it depends they on are, what pieces are, they're just printing the artwork and putting it on the already created boards. So you right. have to really carefully follow their templates because they don't do any checking, editing. They just print what you give them and put it on a board. And they have like huge disclaimers everywhere that is, we do not offer reprints for user error. So, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not a, we are going to help you make your game. It's like, we are a resource that you can utilize. <laughs> Well, actually, it's interesting that you should say that, because in general, you are right. Yes. This is a resource, upload it and go. However, if you click on the last of the eight options on this homepage that I've rarely clicked on before, there are some special services they do offer if you want, which include sanity tests, which... You send them their game and you, and they have experienced designers take a look at it and say, okay, yeah, this is actually a game or no, this is terrible <laughs> or no, this is exactly like this other game that you just ripped off. And yeah, we figured that out. So they have that art test. Um, allow you to gather anonymous feedback on your art, design tables, sponsorships, uh, crowd sales, drop shipping and bulk order fulfillment, board game reviews. Um, this is like a list of recommended reviewers, um, artists and graphic designers. There's a list of artists and stuff that you can use with to make your games, game translations and game accolades. Um, so there's a bunch of extra services they provide, which if is you are paying kind of refer- extra for them. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And they're more or less a referral service when it comes to that. Yeah. Which is another cool thing. Mm-hmm. They're a really interesting resource. If you are just starting out, dipping your toes into game design, it's a great place to start. And the other thing I've looked at in my experience with the Game Crafter is I've heard a lot about their contests. They do design yes. contests. And so it's a fun way to kind of get a idea. If you're looking, it's like a story starters i don't know it reminds me of grade school it's you know a good jumping off point of oh i'm thinking of game design i want to get better at this i want to think more this kind of way they give you a jumping off point and they run these contests and if you you know win them there's cool stuff that comes with that yeah i'm not using the right word but this the feeling the sentiment's the same restrictions are the seed of creativity (laughs) So if you can just do anything you want, it's really hard to be creative in that environment. Mm-hmm. When you are told, create a game with nothing but, you know, four quarters and three matchsticks, suddenly now your creative juices just start to flow. And just saying that, half the people listening to us are like, oh, well, you could do this and that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what these design um, contests do. And there, there's monetary rewards for them. Uh, you can... 
I mean, they don't, you don't have to do finished games, but you have to do games that have at least a rule book that people could download, read, and understand what your game is. Um, but it's, those are some really cool things. I forgot to even mention that. So, see, this is why I have co-hosts. <laughs> so, Fletcher, their current contest is a social deduction game contest they've got going on. I really do want to do that one. I have a social deduction game in my back pocket, too. <laughs> You've got 70 days, 10 hours, 2 minutes, and 47 seconds as of right now. I may have to this. <laughs> so, Fletcher, you had a question before we started recording. What so, was that? <clears throat> I was looking on here, and I saw that there were... there's a The tab is uh, buy game pieces. And my question was, oh, is this like first-party game pieces or third-party game pieces? And so, they're both. And both. <laughs> When I cleaned it, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. They have like a yeah. lot of like, so, I would call like standard game pieces that you would find at a game store for like D&D kind of like the little pewter game pieces. Um, and then like weird ones that you would find at like, I don't know, like a toy store or a CVS that come in like those little egg things for 25 <laughs> like cents. Like a capsule toy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. So as far as I can tell, there are some pieces that and... I will say he, because I'm referring to JT, who's, um, again, this, I, whatever president, CEO, whatever you call of the Game Crafter. He has partners, but he's basically the face of it. But as far as I can tell, he has some pieces that he will get mass shipped in. Um, you know, like cubes and stuff. He constantly has a supply of those. But it also looks like, and I'm inferring this by the pieces here, that if a game has, say a game does poorly, and there's like, you know, a thousand extra copies, he may just buy all those copies in bulk and then take all the game pieces and then put them and make them available for other people to buy. So they're like limited game pieces. There's a bunch of like scythe game pieces and charter stone game pieces and stuff. So somehow Stonemeyer game and said, Hey, I have a lot of extra pieces. Do you want them? And he's like, yes, send them over. I'll take them. He also has, and what do they call it? Oh, composite. So if you cl- go into going into the um, buy game pieces and then click on composite in the upper left. These are handmade game pieces. So like a wooden fence that's like made of baked clay. And these are like unique pieces that you're not going to find in bulk anyplace else. Um, You might, some of them you might, but some of them are just like, you know, there's actually just a person who makes these and like sends them over to them in bulk. And they put these up for people to use in their games. And it's really, really kind of cool. And this is where I go whenever I'm looking for, um, like, blinging my stuff out. I'll look at this. So one of the, I'm looking at premium campfire. These are 57 cents a piece. But if you're playing something like Seventh Continent and you want a cool campfire icon or a uh, miniature for your game piece, you can go here, buy four of these. You spent $2 and now you have, like, these this cool bling. There's an asterisk next to the $2 because they're still shipping. But... It's, I like the steak. Like a, I'm trying yeah, to think the, of a game I can use a steak in. <laughs> I know, right? Handmade steak. And there's a handmade stone. Um, premium coal. This is I, I went through a bunch uranium of these. Premium uranium rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's just so many cool things here. And that's just the composites. If you go to plastic, obviously plastic has the most pieces. It says 876. And then you kind of have to do like sub pieces from there. So I'm looking for all the blue plastic pieces. And you have clear blue meeples, you have blue crystals, blue cubes of all shapes and sizes, blue discs, um, blue houses, blue railroad tracks, blue keys, like just everything you can think of. And as you're going through this, and here's some more uh, what looked like viticulture pieces 
in here. So like I said, some Stone, Stonemaier dumped a lot of pieces uh, at the Game Crafter. So if you're looking for replacements for your Stonemaier games, here's a good spot for them. But there's just like, so many different things that just looking at these pieces make me think, oh, wow, I could use this for this particular game or that particular game. Oh, I haven't seen this one. It's a key card, fluorescent blue key card. And it's like a little microchip key card thing. And it comes in four different colors, green, red, and yellow. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to use these for, but I know I want them now. All right. So I'm getting distracted. Yeah. See, so there's two ways to do things. You can either have your game idea and go and make it a reality, or you can just go to the website first and start browsing pieces and be like, oh, hey, these are fun and inspire you to make a game. Works both ways. Yep. Yep. What I do... What I have as a surplus that I always have is I've gone in and I've gotten eight millimeter cubes, clear cubes of like 10 different colors. And I bought a hundred of each of them. And one of the things that Game Crafter does, it gives you a discount at 10 and at 100. So if I were to look at for uh, the blue cube, so this is ice cube, eight millimeters, translucent. This is seven cents if you buy just a single one. So I'm going to add one of those to my cart. (laughs) Well, it depends on... I believe it depends on weight. So we will get to shipping in just a second. So <laughs> seven cents for one. If I change this to 10, then the pr- unit price is five cents, which is great. And if I change it to 100, which is usually what I would do for something like this, the unit price is, it's getting there, three cents. So we're talking $3 for 100 blue cubes that I can use for mana cubes or magic or, you know, I, those are usually what I use the blue ones for and red ones would be health. But I can use them in all kinds of different games to replace any other tokens. Now, if I, so this is a total of $3.45. If I check out with this and I go to my payment, um, it's going to give me shipping. And again, this is an impractical amount of um, cubes, I would definitely buy more. So the 100 cubes is $3.45. The shipping on this through USPS is $3.50. Nice. Um, You're paying for shipping. <laughs> taxes and fees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> taxes and fees are $1.65 for a total of eight sixty. Wait, now, so why were the cubes three forty something if it's just... Um, I think that there are decimal places to the cents. So it's probably 3.45 cents per cube. So as you add in quantity... It oh, goes up. But okay. when I'm looking at the individual, yeah. When you're buying in bulk, fractions of a cent can yeah. matter. But I never buy, like, buying just 100 cubes, it's kind of, then I'm paying $8.60 to have them delivered. And if you live in Wisconsin or uh, Madison specifically, you can just go pick them up. So that saves on shipping. If you don't live there, you had to ship. But what I'll do is I'll buy, like, you know, 12 different colors of cubes, 100 piece. And the shipping isn't that much more expensive on that many more cubes. So it actually becomes like worthwhile to do something like that. You just have to be willing to invest in stuff you might not use until someday you need it. And the cubes, I, I swear, I've used these cubes to replace pieces in practically every single game because they're just it's so much true. nicer than little cardboard chips. Keyforge, I have an entire Keyforge pack that I have on here. So the way I'll do that for Keyforge packs is I'll actually click on make game and then I just click a new game and in this one, this one's called Keyforge Components. And I click on, so basically you're just creating a new game. And then you can browse all of the different components and you just add them to, quote unquote, your game. And now you have a set that's like, oh, I want to, you know, have another Keyforge set because I just got another person to play the game. And as a gift, I'm going to give them a new set of components. So I can just have this delivered and voila, 
I have another set of Keyforge tokens and pieces. Chris, I just noticed that when I'm searching around, it says safe search is on and you need to be logged in to turn off safe search. <laughs> what kind of things do you find when safe search is turned off? <laughs> All right. That is a great segue, accidental or not, to the sell your games option. So you can create games on the Game Crafter. You can also list your games for sale. And the Game Crafters are relatively like as indie game development as you can get. So selling like a hundred games is considered pretty good. Like if you sold a hundred games, like wow, you you this game maybe you want to be considered as actually a game you try to publish. But there are no restrictions to the type of games you put on the Game Crafter. So if somebody wants to make a game about any inappropriate topic, they can. But they have to mark it in a certain way so that Safe Search will filter it out. And then you have to log in, say, yes, I want to see these games, whether they're appropriate or not. And then those games will start showing up in your list. Yeah, I and think, there's a few that are... I think the only ahead. exception to things they will not print is copyrighted material. And other Copyright than that, it. they'll do whatever. Yep. There might be... I'm I'm fairly certain that if you cross some <laughs> well, hate crime boundaries, you might have some issues. Yes. I think as long as it is legal to print, they will do so. Yes. Yes. Yep. And they are super strict on copyrighted stuff. Very, very so, strict. Yep. You need to be able to say where your art... Now, you don't have to, but there are actual people that are putting this stuff together. And if they have any question about where your art came from, they will challenge you on it and say, okay, we need to know where the source of this stuff is. Yeah. Um, this is real people doing it. It's not, you know, just machines pumping this stuff out. It's a person looking at everything yeah, at every step of the way. Yep. And they're assembling it. And it's so, and that's why it takes a while. When you create a new game or you want to get pieces delivered, it's usually like a one to two week leg time before you can actually get that product. Unless you want to pay double. If you double the cost, then you can get in the priority queue. And then you can usually get your game within a couple days. Sometimes it's worth it. I wanted to get a bunch of cubes and the cubes are already so cheap that I didn't mind like doubling the cost because it really shipping doesn't dollars to six the cost of the product. <laughs> exactly. So it's like I just want these like tomorrow. And I was able to do that and get it. But normally it's going to take a couple weeks depending on on the length of the queue. Does that answer your safe search question? Yes. I just found that kind of amusing. Like, what is it filtering <laughs> out for me? All of the bad stuff. So let's see. We talked about oh, creating your game. We talked about that. Um, a couple other services they provide. You can get art for your game. So this is a relatively new service where they are artists can put their art up here and then people can license that art directly from the game crafter and then use that in their games, which is kind of a cool thing because most designers aren't artists and there's a lot of artists out there that, you know, would sell their art for, well, I don't want to say cheap, but they're willing to put something out there in bulk to sell copies of it. And there's a ton of art out there. Have you checked out the component studio, Chris? Oh, component studio. Why, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> I'm doing my best here for somebody who is barely with it today. Well, we'll we'll blame player player three for that. Um, He's yeah, so helpful these, always. <laughs> yeah. Some of these topics, like I know that I probably have more information on them than you guys do, but they're still kind of cool to do to my mind. I, I'm curious. People email us, let me know whether or not visit the game crafter first 
take a look at it, and then email me and let me know if this was like worth your while to learn about this particular resource. Because I think it's cool, even if you never design a game, knowing this exists is cool. And even if you never design a game, knowing that you can go here and buy other people's indie games. Check out indie games on here, even if you're not using any other service on there. It's fun to scroll through these new games and to check out what's going on. They have like a community tab here that is totally worth checking out, even if you never want to buy any of their components. Yep. And and there's always like a game of the day or a deal of the day now. And you can kind of just see what it is. And this stuff, this stuff is really, these are good games. They're not, you know, a lot of this stuff, especially when it floats up to like the deal, deal of the day, people are looking at this and playing this and really enjoy these games. Uh, the Captain is Dead is a game that started on the Game Crafter. Actually, JT designed it, but he built the Game Crafter so he could design games more streamlined and then the captain is dead now published by AEG. um what is the uh oh starving artist was a contest winner on the game crafter you know so and it's i think they just finished their second kickstarter now for their reprint so there's a lot of stuff on here that's like really good there was an 18 card contest uh, a few months back where every card you just basically had to design a game that had 18 cards and that's all it was and that there's like a ton of cool games that came out of that. And they're all really, really cheap. And it's like, oh, I can check out these indie games and you know get on the ground floor of some of this stuff. So Component Studio, this is not something that if you weren't a designer that you would probably use. But what this is, is a way of taking art assets, uh, card text, card cost, essentially all of the pieces that make up a visual component and combining them in an automated way. So if I have, you know, say I'm doing a magic card and or a magic card like thing. So it's a collectible card game. And I have a template and I have the art in one spot and I have the title here and cost is over here. And I want to move those things. Component Studio allows me to say, oh, put the cost in the lower left instead of the upper right, and it'll automatically go and change all of your cards in one go. And it's relatively easy to use, and it's constantly being updated. So if anyone's like, oh, I wish it had this feature, you can just email them, and it'll get added to the feature list. Yeah, otherwise you'd be individually editing hundreds and hundreds of different images, which sounds nightmarish. It is. (laughs) Um, or there's ways of doing it. If you have Adobe InDesign and Photoshop, there are ways to bulk ex- edit it. But actually, Photoshop's not a great way. But InDesign's pretty good at combining Photoshop with like your exported Excel you know, text and costs and stuff like that. And you can put it together. But then you have to be like an InDesign expert to be able to make all of that work out. Yeah, there's a lot to game design that, well, game graphic design? Yeah. Like putting these pieces together, designing the game is easy compared to putting it all making together it and making look it look good. good. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to game designers, designing games is not easy, but this tedious part of putting it all together is painful. Yeah, I think that the designing part is the fun part, and like this part is not as fun, and that's always the harder part to get done. Is the like, yeah, the actual coming up with an idea, coming up with the rules, playtesting those things. It's really hard. You've got a lot that goes into it, but it's you have the passion for that part of it. But whose passion is 
moving cubes around a card. <laughs> exactly. I need to make sure that my numbers are very legible. Like, that's not the fun. I mean, I'm sure there's some graphic designer uh, out there listening right now who's like, oh, that's my favorite part. I love making <laughs> legible numbers, but that's it's not where my passion lies. Let me lies. tell you, from playing Gloomhaven, they really messed that up. There the are so many numbers. great games. Yeah. So many great games that you cannot tell what you were doing until you've played it 800 times because it is completely illegible, completely indecipherable. Iconography is bad or the graphic design is bad. I think that's my biggest problem with Terraforming Mars is that their graphic design and their rule book just like hurt my brain. And so it's a good game and I have fun every time I play it. But when I remember it, those are the things that stick out to me is like the, ugh. Yeah. Gloomhaven's problem is the the font. font. It's terrible. I's, L's, ones are all mixed up. And A, the letter, the lowercase letters A, E, D, and B all look very similar. (laughs) So you've thought about this a little bit. Yes, I have. I'm like, why are are these letters all so similar? They should have just used Helvetica. (laughs) Right? I think sometimes in an attempt to, like, stand out or look cool, you end up making your game worse because it is not user-friendly. Well, the thing is, at least in Gloomhaven, like, when you see them, when you see all the letters, like, next to each other, it's fine. You can tell which is which. The problem is that oftentimes, since these things are on components in a box jumbled every which way, you don't know which way to turn it. There is, there's not a lot of times like, wait, which, yeah. which side is up? What's the upside? <laughs> like, I don't know. So is this, is this an A or an E? I don't know. Anyway. That's, yeah. Enough about that. Well, you made me, so Gloomhaven actually has a, a community development kit that has all of the art assets for all the cards. And I believe, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe those are fair use. So if you wanted to use them on the Game Crafter to print up your own custom Gloomhaven cards, you could do that because he put those out there for that reason. Now, I'm fairly certain that you wouldn't be able to sell them because I don't think he gives rights to sell things made with those assets. But as far as like community printing and using that i believe you do have access to so and if you really needed to you could literally email isaac the designer of gloomhaven and say hey i want to get some stuff printed on the great game crafter they're challenging me on this is it okay if i get it printed for personal use only and he would most likely send back a thing saying sure just don't sell it or something along those lines because i'll just send him an email like hey in the next printing fix your font (laughs) (laughs) be nice he's the most Talented game designer on BGG, according to BGG. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do the graphic design though. Okay, I don't think. Well, tell your graphic designer to fix the font. <laughs> it's one of those things, though, that you know when you're playtesting a game, a lot of times you're not thinking. Like you're so focused on like, do the rules work? Does this make sense? That like I've learned after so many years of playing and looking at things, like there are some things that before I even like would purchase a game or put it on my table, like, is this just going to drive me crazy? I can't do it. (laughs) Fonts and rule books that are not in a order that makes sense to me are two of my biggest pet peeves. It is the number one thing that makes a game look amateur versus professional is graphic design 
it is amazing the difference when you look at two different like graphic designs of something where that's had a little bit of time to iterate. Um, there's two that I can think of right off the top of my head that have to deal with cards, and that's uh, Thunderstone, which is was a fantasy version of Dominion, and it was incredibly. It, it was a great game, but the iconography was terrible, and it made it so hard to play. Then they came out with Thunderstone Advanced, which redid all the iconography, redid the games, made it look much, much better, but it was still compatible with the old set of cards. So you could have these things mixed, which is almost worse. I don't know anyone who played Thunderstone Advance that ever mixed in their old cards, but I'm sure there's people out there. And now you have Thunderstone Quest, which is a completely remade version of the game. Also, but now that iteration of the cards are amazing. Like, makes total sense. Like, the feedback from the community is like, oh, yes, we should probably change this and do that. And so it takes time because when you're designing something, you know what it's supposed to be. You know what it is. And you need those blind play tests to say, okay, does this make sense to you or not? Keyforge. I, I'll, I'll, ugh, I love Keyforge. I really do. But the design of the artifacts and the actions are terribly confusing to new players. Like it's like if you want to play an action, you can. The action card triggers and there's a play effect on it. Great. That happens on an artifact. It says action on it, but an artifact goes into play, and then you have to take a later action to trigger that. But if I say, oh, you can play an action, now I'm playing this artifact that says action on it, but it's just in a different place than the action card that says play. It's so confusing when you first start playing it. <sighs> Rant over. That's really my only complaint with Key. The new set's awesome. Well, the new set's different. Definitely p- plays different than the old set. I'm getting used to it, but I like it. I like that there's new cards. I digressed. There's but a game on here called me Box O Cats. What's I don't about? know, but the name is intriguing. <laughs> I hope it's just a bundle of kitties. <laughs> it probably is. There's some really cool things. Right? So you're clicking on buy games, and you're just kind of scrolling through all these things, right? Yeah. So what's interesting here, there's one game. Uh, this one's called Parkies, and it is $75. It is a staff pick. But if you look at Parkies... Like the the reason it's seventy five dollars is because it has like a ton of different commo- components in it. It has domino tiles, it has a bunch of square tiles, it has cubes, uh, big seven big mats, eight small square boards. So it's just a bunch of stuff. And these games are priced by how much components you shove in the box. And this the game actually looks great. It looks like it'd be a game that you could buy. I mean, again, it needs graphic design work, but. Um, it's just really, really expensive, and it's getting great reviews. Wow. Man, I really want to own this game. But with shipping and customs, this will be well over $100. That's just too much. Uh, great game with a very nice artwork that feels the, the fuels the imagination. We did find a discrepancy in the rules regarding scoring. So this the community and the game crafter, especially if people buy your game, you're going to get feedback on it. And I think that's kind of a cool way to like vet games. Also, if you're looking for prototypes, don't cut them out yourself. Just upload these files to the Game Crafter and let them do it. It's pretty inexpensive, and your prototype looks way, way cool. All right, what else on this list? Buy, we did game pieces, we did art, we did sell your games and create your games. I just like the Game Crafter. We haven't talked about the community, though. We talked a little bit about the contests, um, that kind of stuff, but that's part of the community. It is part of the community. If you go to chat so at the top if you go to community and then go to chat you will see a running basically conversation amongst tons and tons of people 
And if you have any issues with how to do something or how something works, or you have a question on design, or you're stuck on a, you know, a mechanic that, or mechanism that, you know, it's like, this is breaking my game. What should I do with it? This, if you go here and just start typing, there will be people that are going to respond to you almost 24 seven. Um, this is a very, very active area of the chat. And it's one of the coolest things about the game crafter is the number of people that are willing to help other designers on here. It's, it's very non-competitive type of world. Yeah, it looks like it was a slow day today because there were only like 20 comments. (laughs) It's a Sunday. Yeah. Let's see what else we have. Um, Auctions. uh, Board game blueprint. What is this? Oh, that's a YouTube channel. We're not going to let that play. (laughs) Um, There's, oh, I know what that was. That is a video. So there's a bunch of people who have done videos on the Game Crafter for how to do certain things. And there's that, oh, another thing that they have that I completely forgot. Custom dice. You can have custom engraved dice or custom screen printed dice. And they have wooden dice and plastic dice. And the plastic dice come in multiple different colors. And they're not actually even that expensive. They're a dollar a side at, I think, once you get 10 or more, they're a dollar a side, which for custom dice is actually really, really cheap. And, you know, if you wanted to do something like you don't need to do it for games, but like, say you wanted to have custom dice for a wedding or a graduation or something like that, you can come here and just get those components made up. And I mean, that's something that if you go someplace else and look for custom dice, you have to make huge purchases to make it worth your while as far as cost efficiency. And here you can literally just get one. It's more expensive at one. It's like 12 bucks if you want one die, but it's still the fact that you can do it. And nobody else that I know of would let you do that. And then I, I mentioned the podcast as well. Their podcast is hilarious. I'm look- Sorry, I'm creating my account. I'm looking at their dice now. <laughs> I want to see the uh, the safe serve. I want to see the not safe serve <laughs> options. I'm so curious now. <laughs> I'm just looking at the dice because well, I was like, oh, cool. You can make your own dice. That seems kind of fun. Well, another thing that they do. So as you're looking at the dice, they also... So all of their cardboard pieces that you would know, like the punch outs are laser cut. This is a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing first is because they're laser cut, there's soot around the the chipboard. Now they're much sturdier than normal cardboard and there's no like mushrooming effect because there's no die cut that stamps it, but it's a laser that's cutting this. So when you get these pieces, you're going to punch them out and you kind of have to like your fingers start turning sooty. So you can, I take like a wet paper towel and, wipe off all the edges. Um, it's kind of a pain, but the advantage to it is they can cut any shape you want and it doesn't cost anything more. It's basically the amount the laser moves is how they price it. So the shape does not matter. So you can have like completely custom cardboard shapes with this and you just say like, this is my shape, this is my art and boom, you're good to go. Um, which is just really cool. I have not done that custom level yet but i think it's really cool that you can and there's a bunch of files on like on the game crafter it's like oh here's a meeple template that you can use and now you have you know punch out meeple shapes and things like that so there's all kinds of cool stuff like that as well fletcher what are you finding out about dice well so when i was looking at dice i noticed that there was actually it's funny they're like other items and it was like a dime and it would cost 10 cents for a plastic dime <laughs> and i was like huh so i clicked on that and then there's also a penny a dime a quarter a half dollar and a sack of dollar 
And they're all 10 cents except for the Sacagawea dollar, which is 16 cents. And now I'm scratching my head. I'm like, I don't know how big these are, but is this legal? Can can you just, like, if they're close to the right size. I think as long as it's a different material, which in this case it is, is plastic. It's definitely a different material, but everything else looks pretty good about it. Yeah. And that is 10 cents for a single one of them. If you were to say 10 and then 100, you'll see significant discounts in those right. prices. So it's a great way to counterfeit dimes. <laughs> <laughs> At the cost of a dime. Well, not if I buy 100 of them. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I'm making money. Uh, Take that. <laughs> Get rich quick. These also- do not look that good. <laughs> <laughs> they look pretty good. Yeah, anyone... I mean, you can also, I hate to burst your bubble with these particular pieces, but you can go to like the dollar store and get a fake money set for kids. Yep. And uh, like a lot of this stuff is probably from the dollar store. You know, you just go in, buy them in bulk. It's um, literally They dollars. also have something called, yeah, <laughs> called boardgamecandy.com. If you go there and I think you get to it from clicking on um, game upgrades from the GameCrafter homepage. Yeah. These are not games, but they are upgrade kits for existing games. So, like, there's a Gloomhaven one that's Gloomhaven status markers. And if I click in here, this is, these are little plastic, so you can do custom cut acrylics. What these are, are custom acrylic pieces that are cut out to fit on top of the cardboard standees. So if something's burned, you have this little fire thing that you can clip on top of the standee. And then you can look and you can see all of the different status effects. Um, which is really cool. And I didn't know they existed until just now when I clicked on it. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Um, action dice for, you know, basically defense action and maneuvers. There's some milestone reward tiles for terraforming Mars, which kind of, are, I think these are for randomly generating what the milestones are. And there's a bunch of different ones in here. So this is almost kind of like a mini expansion. Um, Agricola has a resource kit that you can upgrade to. Power Grid has a bunch of different ones. Uh, Scythe has an upgrade kit in here, which makes sense since a lot of these components came from Stonemaier in the first place. Um, but if you're looking for like a way of blinging out your games that someone else has already gone through the work of doing, you can come here and just kind of browse through and you can search like, oh, I want to, there's a particular game I'm looking for. But as it looks like here, there's like a hundred, over a hundred different replacement component sets of things that you can like upgrade your games with and that's without you having to go through and do all the work now i'm looking to see if there's any lots of magic gathering life counters lots of arkham horror um the card game play mats and things like that i like the meeple flags for carcassonne there's meeple flags yeah so when you go around the because you know the track you go around and it's like 50 100 Oh, it, like, right. It's a little flag for your meeple every time you go around. So instead of having to deal with the little cardboard piece, it's much more visible. I like it. There's a pandemic virus tokens. So if you don't like the little cubes that come with it, these are artistic, like art tokens. So they're punch outs instead um, that have little symbols of the viruses on them. Like just all kinds of stuff that, you know, someone said, hey, I want to trick out my game in this particular way. And I'm going to check that out, or I'm going to do it. And now I'll just put it up there for other people to take a look at as well. All right. Oh, is there anything else we can... Like this site, you can just spend hours and hours and hours on. Yeah, I think I got lost at some point designing my own game here because I'm very tired. And I apologize (laughs) to our listeners, but I blame my child. 
<laughs> they accept your apology, I'm sure. Let's see. Email I- Chris <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> yeah. All complaints about hosts can come to me, or I will promptly file them under Kitty Be Better. There's a folder for that. Yeah. At least there should be. It's like um, <laughs> the box of complaints that Dwight makes against Jim in the office. I don't watch the I'm so alone <laughs> on the show sometimes. Uh, oh, this is just like when the- no one knew the Annie Lennox song and I was all by myself. <laughs> I still have no idea what you're talking about. Is that the glass one? Yes. Okay. Now I remember. <laughs> Three episodes ago. Listen to the after credits. Maybe four episodes. Yeah. Uh, I still have to for- do that third episode. Yep. We all believe that's happening. It's. I'm looking forward to having that done because then you're doing the editing on everything else. And then it's not on me anymore. It's on me. <laughs> you have to up- upgrade your Dropbox. I do. As but we've now that. gone so far off topic <laughs> that perhaps okay, we should fine. go to some listener mail. <laughs> Let's go to listener mail. <laughs> so anyway, summarizing the Game Crafter, I really like the site. I think it's a valuable resource, whether you're a game designer, game enthusiast, or just want to upgrade some game stuff. It's a cool place to check out. It's just a good resource to know exists. And yeah, so I make no recommendations other than to say I use it quite frequently and I have not been disappointed with it. Um so take that for what you will. And also, we're really excited to hear all about the websites that you guys use to bling out your games, because I'm sure you've got other stuff, too. We talked about this. We did a whole episode on it, where I think we heard a lot about Etsy. But with the game design resources in mind, perhaps, we'll hear about some new stuff. Yeah. And Etsy is another great place to bling out your games if you're just looking for bling. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have, like, acrylic cutting machines, and there's, like, about a zillion different acrylic replacements for everything. Everything. Yep. All right, let's talk about, hmm, do we want to do two-player games first or game design first? Let's go with game design, since that's where we are right now. All right. Tim talks about, he sent us an email on uh, game design. He says, shortly after really getting into the hobby about 18 months ago, I became interested in game design. I created a craft cocktail mixing game and got all the way to a full playtest demo version before realizing the game's flaw was you'd end up with an unwieldy hand of ingredients cards. Basically just not fun. I find that that's the case for most games once you put them in prototype. It's like, it was fun in my head, which is why you want to get to prototype as soon as you can. He says, then I, I then was working on a worker placement, a worker placement game themed on movie making in Hollywood, but was stuck on how mathy it got with determining box office scores based on elements in each film yeah. created. Microsoft yeah. Excel games. <laughs> it is. Well, a lot of Euro games are accused of this, but they they can be fun, but yeah, if, if you're the an accountant, takes this- <laughs> accountants need games too. They do, Not they only do. accountants love spreadsheets. She said, <laughs> rapidly closing tabs on her computer. I have oh, what? Yeah, I have a spreadsheet open almost all the time. I'm trying to calculate the optimal build for one of my stupid little mobile games. Anyway, he continues. He says, I was spending almost every day on one or the other game before a long before a long time, but before I could figure out the problems, my attention shifted to miniature painting. Then that was obsession that was my obsession until I started DMing a DD campaign. So basically what Tim's saying is he has obsessive focus disorder. I just made that up, but I think that could be a thing, right? OFD. I really like his idea of the first um, of the first game he tried to prototype the craft cocktail building game. That seems kind of cool. I think there's something yeah, there. I think there is something yeah. there. Just need to work Which on is, that hand management. I should mention that there is something called Protospiel, which is what it is. Sounds like you take prototypes 
uh, to this convention and people will play them and they will give you feedback. So if you have an idea that you think is like, it's so close, I can feel it. I just, there's something missing. Take it to one of these places where people are there to play games and give honest feedback. And there's a bunch of them all over the country, um, probably all over the world. You can probably find them everywhere these days. But um, yeah, I would I would play a crafting cocktail game, especially if it did real cocktails where I was learning how to make the cocktails from the game itself. I could see something kind of like a draft deck building game with that, that you would have like certain different kind ingredients. Of- like you'd have like non-alcoholic ingredients, alcoholic ingredients, garnishes, and then like glassware almost. And yeah. then you could have like... Uh, other different like flares you could put in there like mixing styles or like uh you know if it's on fire or something like that toss the bottle and yeah i could see something sushi exactly that's kind of what i was thinking um did you guys ever play the jam game with me no no but i think i know of it you had to listen to me talk about it on the kickstarter edition a ton of times yeah um it's fun and it's the same kind of thing but you're making jam instead of cocktails um, and the way they did it was you have a hand and there's also like the pantry. So it's a little bit press your luck, uh, mess with your neighbor kind of game where if you don't use the ingredients in the middle, somebody else is going to steal them first. That's fun. See, I like, I like that. See, and Tim, that's all you got to do. Yeah. Throw your idea out there. And now and you've got like four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully now and- Tim's back to doing this. Yeah, and go to the Game Crafter, and you can get prototypes printed up, and you can just put them for sale. So if people want to try it out, they can buy the current prototype, get shipped to them. They can play it, give you feedback. It's, it's not a, not a bad gig. All right, last listener mail, I think, unless, Fletcher, you came up with one while we were talking about the No, game I was actually like just perusing the Game cra- Crafter, looking at <laughs> my money-making scheme of buying fake <laughs> dimes. <laughs> for only eight cents sure. instead of ten <laughs> i can make billions I, I, i'm not sure this is going to work but if it does um kitty and i get 10 percent. no that's eating into my i wasn't listening but did you guys just start talking about counterfeiting is that what this is uh well yes okay yes great <laughs> i'm not involved in any way fbi i'm really sorry about them <clears throat> I'm sure they're listening. So, yes, there's got to be someone. If there's anyone from the FBI listening, please let us know um, that we're not in trouble. Uh, otherwise, you can just pretend you didn't hear anything. Earmuffs, FBI earmuffs. Okay. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure it's the Secret Service in this case. And not oh yeah, that's true, isn't it? It's a weird one that's in control of the Treasury stuff. Hmm. Yep. All right. What does Peter have to say? Peter is talking about two-player games. He says, "My wife and I predominantly play." My wife and I predominantly only play games together unless family members are visiting. We are similar to Rado and his wife because we avoid games that involve take that in actions designed to thwart other players or player. Probably our most played two-player only games are Patchwork and Seven Wonders Duel. But there are so many great two-player games and games that work for more than two players but work well at two. We find that the Seven Wonders play... Ah, we find that the full Seven Wonders plays very well at two using the special roles provided. One game I thought was worthy of mention is the two-player only card game Lost Cities. Quick to learn, quick to play, and very likely to leave you wanting to play again. Yeah, I have heard Lost Cities so many times that I really, really should play this game. I owned it 
for a little while, and I just never opened it. So I think I gave it away at Gen Con a year or two ago. I don't know why that I just it's nothing's pulled me into this. I, Kitty, you play games with Spencer. Is it because besides like family games like Spades? That's I know you get pulled into that quite a bit. What type of two player games do you play with Spencer? Just the games that you want to get tried out, or is there games that you actually enjoy playing together? I mean, it's a little bit of both. We play a lot of games that I order on Kickstarter and then feel guilty because they've been sitting on my shelf for a long time unplayed. So I make him play them with me if they have a two-player option. Um, But we've got like our favorite games that we'll play over and over again. We've been playing a lot of Wingspan recently. I think that one plays just as well at two players as any other player count. So So you and Spencer have been playing it? Yeah. Head-to-head? Yeah. Nice. It was fun. What about you, Fletcher? Um, do you play any games with Carmen? Only like, not. I mean, not really. No. <laughs> I'm looking at Lost Cities Which, though, and I it mean, looks kind of interesting. I've not heard of this. I got confused between the Lost City and the Lost Expedition. Which is also a two-player game, which is fun. <laughs> well, Lost Cities, like I say, I think it's got to be one of the most popular games out there because every single nope. time I even come close to mentioning two-player games, it wasn't on the that. it wasn't on the two-player game episode that we did. It's relative, and that's why I think Peter's mentioning it. But it's relatively old compared to the ones that were so? on that list. That list had a lot of newer stuff. Oh. So that's the only thing I can think of. That and there's so many good two-player games you can't list everything. I mean, I forgot but, my own, one of my favorites. We also play Odin's Ravens a lot. Oh, yep. And Jaipur? Jaipur. Yes, that one. <laughs> I hear that one almost as often as Lost Cities as a great two-player game. It is a, to me, an okay two-player game. Um, I bought it, I played it with Sydney, and we put it in the, all right, I'm glad I played it, but it's not going to pull me back to play it again category. Lost Cities looks so much like The Lost Expedition. I'm trying to figure out if they are in some way related. I'm guessing that they're not, besides the lost part in the thing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, also, like, you know, they're cards with numbers and things. I don't know. And the numbers and things. (laughs) They're cards with numbers and things. Like a deck of cards. You know. (laughs) This one has a two on it. I sat here for an hour and, a heart. and I did my best. <laughs> Does that mean two life? Oh, <laughs> uh, you got. Um, yeah, I was going to tell you about Sydney and I playing games, but now I'm not. Well, now I'm just. I like hearing myself talk. So the games that Sydney and I play are Keyforge. So that's a pretty competitive one. Homeworld, which is also a pretty competitive one. Arkham Horror Living Card Game, which is non-competitive. In fact, she says she doesn't like co-op games, and I would agree in most situations except for her and i can play them pretty well because neither of us will let the other one like steamroll so we can actually like kind of but you also don't get shouty at each other the way that me and you do correct because we don't let anyone steamroll but we like we still try pretty hard (laughs) to steamroll each other but when like a steamroller and a steamroller go head to head it's just a standstill and that's, I think, I, when Spencer and Sydney just leave the room and are like, Ugh. <laughs> Well, I think there's something different about when you play a two-player or a cooperative game with just two players versus four players where two p- players are strong. Because I think if you and I were playing a cooperative game and it was just the two of us, we'd be very rational human beings. It's I don't when know. We're I still to think s- we'd be fighting about whether or not to put that sticker on Paris. 
Maybe. <laughs> I, all I know is when we're trying to convince other people, like, it becomes an, an effort. I feel like we need a moderator. Like, at this point, there's, like, you know, the guy from PBS stands up and says, okay, now, Chris, you have two minutes to <laughs> respond to Kitty's point here. Yeah. Uh, if only. Yeah. Is that guy available? But Can we get Anderson he's Cooper? <laughs> he's not. Come moderate our games of Pandemic Legacy. Um. Well, we don't have to. Pl- well, no, we still have to finish Pandemic Legacy. I know season we can't two. even talk about it. We have to finish Betrayal <sighs> first because I'm enjoying it more. <laughs> All right, we got to do both of these. All right, what we really got to do is finish this episode. All right. So let's jump to Gen Con real quick because you have a correction been- to issue. I I do, and I did not even realize this. The when they approved the event, it came back and it said everything I've been saying. Friday, six o'clock, stadium meeting room eight. Sounds great. Then Tim emails and he's like, "Hey, just want to point out <laughs> everything you, you said was wrong." <laughs> Not everything, but the time has been wrong. And so I'm like, "Okay, well," I, and I checked the email again. It's like oh, it says six o'clock. And I'm like, "Eh, maybe Tim's wrong. Maybe he's he's crazy." So just before I decided to call him crazy on the show, um, actually, I was going to respond and say, "No, Tim, you're crazy." I'm like, "What does it say if I just go and search for the event?" And sure enough, it says 8 o'clock. And from that view, I scroll down and I can see my um, admin side. And from Gen Con, it says, note the time change. I'm like, great. You could have put that in the confirmation that there was a time change. <laughs> so there is a time change. Could um, have emailed me. This, Yeah, exactly. Let me know. So Gen Con live show is Friday at 8 p.m. So it's 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. And it's still in the stadium. It's still in meeting room eight. All of that stuff is the same. And if you are searching for Tabletop Game Talk Live, uh, you'll you'll know all this information. And I think we have uh, maybe a quarter filled up at this point. So there's still time to sign up for it. Uh, don't delay, though, because there's everybody who comes to this show walks away with a game. And yeah, it's they're not just... I don't get like throwaway promo games. These are games that I bought, really wanted to play at some point, and then decided that I didn't have room for them in my collection. So sometimes I give away really crazy games. Last year we gave away a copy of Gloomhaven. So um, come out to the show if you're if you're going to be around in Indiana that Friday at eight p.m. That's the time that it's <laughs> eight o'clock. Okay, uh, Origins is in two weeks. I, I, is it even two weeks? It's less than two weeks. Like next week ish uh that's gonna be cool i'm looking forward to that yeah we're bringing um zach with us and my mother so that's going to be look out for that i know it'll be she's never been to a convention and well either a zach so it'll be a fun fun experiment (laughs) actually no i lie zach's been to four this will be his fifth or maybe he's been to five and this will be his sixth my mother's never been to a convention though um all right that's enough to talk about for now if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Facebook. We're at slash Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Leave us a review or support us on Patreon at TabletopGameTalk.com slash Patreon. I promise that I will try hard not to miss anyone who becomes a patron. <laughs> but if I don't say your name within the first couple of weeks, you are, feel free to ping me on email or via patreon or yeah patreon website and i will fix that problem table okay. tabletop game talk is a proud member of the dice tower network 
Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, the SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks. Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwarzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate, Baz Clintham, Sean Peck, Eric Sealander. Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Wesley Trailer, Tim Vernig, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Emil Jewell Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzer, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Vilhurst, Verholst. I'm very sorry, Leanne. Verholst? <laughs> I'm really sorry. Christopher Letko and John Lewis. And another thank you to Christopher Letko and John <laughs> Lewis. About eight more of those and we'll be even. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. I'm signing up for the Keyforge Sealed Vault Tour at Gen Con. Oh, yeah. I've signed up for that. I've signed up for both the Sealed and the Archon. Not doing the Archon. I'm done with Archons.